Create with France Sydney. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. This is France with Create with France, a show that helps you to use mindset hacks to sort out your life, move on and create a life that you really want. And I have to apologize for my terrible voice, but I have a bit of a flu and a sore throat, so that's what you get today. Be masculine today. <laughs> so As you can see, we have a guest and we have Jackie Hardin again. So welcome to the show. Hi, again. Fran. Thanks for having me again on the show. It's great to be here. Yeah. And of course, we're going to talk about food again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a foodie and I love food. But I guess there are cases when food can become a crutch or a way of eating away our emotions. So today we're going to take the chance to talk about BED or B-E-D. Yeah. It's one of the new disorders that have been added to the menu and it's binge eating disorder, which affects about 1.7% of adults and more women than men and even adolescents, but in a much smaller percentage. So binge eating is when you eat without any control, just eat, eat, eat. Even when you're so full up, you're going to get cramps, you still eat and you, you're going to hide that from other people. And there are special particular things that are behind this reason so you're not eating because you're hungry but it's more an, an emotional reason so we're going to dwell in all of this with your help Jackie so tell us what do you know about BED that you are happy to share with us so Fran first of all BED is actually um, classified as a serious mental illness and it is a DSM-5 so it is actually diagnosed by um, a GP um, so you can go via your GP and get a diagnosis from there it does affect 700,000 um, UK uh, uh, citizens and it can affect both male and female and it is important to note that actually it primarily starts with people that are the age of 20 and up and it can it can affect actually any any age any gender any authenticity any background and um it is one of the most common eating disorders that we have so i think primarily people think that anorexia and bulimia they're the most talked about ones um but binge eating disorder is quite common um and it is classified that way you have a person i'm just going to move sorry i just want to move this across because you've disappeared and i'm staring at a a blank wall which is uncomfortable for me <laughs> that's better so it is um you're right it is uh, some uh, where a person is not hungry um they're eating normally um because they're triggered by something and it can be stress isolation boredom a whole raft of, of triggers that can set their underlying and can be the reason why they uh, then uh, choose to uh, go along and begin binging And it can be that it can just be quite spontaneous or it can be that it's planned. So a person can actually plan the event from start to finish and it can take over a course of hours for this to, to uh, execute the binge. So um, the, the binging isn't just over a short period of time. It can take place over a few hours and it can leave a person feeling rather guilty ashamed really disgusted with themselves so the whole emotive feeling that that person goes through is significant and again can actually stop them reaching out for help um, because of the way that they're feeling 
whilst a person actually goes through the binge eating disorder, the people that I've worked with is one, they don't recognize the triggers. So they aren't able to actually, they don't have the awareness of recognizing what it is that is triggering them from uh, kicking off the episode of binging. So because they don't have this awareness of what it is that's the cause, they can't actually identify what starts it off, what causes the cycle, and then why they enter into it and where they land up, where they're going to. Does that make sense? So they enter into this whole cycle and don't even know why they're there in the first place. So it's trying to raise that awareness with them of what's triggering them into the cycle. The other thing is they can actually have something trigger them. So for example, stress, and then because of this trigger, they'll begin to plan the entire binge eating so they'll have their favorite foods that they plan and then they'll begin to execute it and when they begin that execution there is no stopping them from finishing off the binge and some of them even when they become aware that they begin executing that plan they will try and stop midway through the binge but even if they've discarded the food they will then still go and get it from the dustbin or then seek it out so they can actually finish off what they've planned and that will leave them feeling even more ashamed that they've then gone and sorted it out from the dustbin and retrieved it from a place so even that then makes them feel uh, more disgusted with themselves more ashamed more guilty for the behavior that they have and it's letting them know that this is normal and it is part of the disorder and it is nothing to be ashamed of. And the minute you can start accepting that, the minute you can start working through the whole disorder itself. So where someone feels quite um, isolated and alone and embarrassed of what it is that they're doing, my first thing to say to them is, you're not alone in this. It's the disorder itself. And actually, if you can recognize that, then you are one step closer to recovery. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm. And so this is not a condition that has a genetic root at all? It can have multiple things. So I think all eating, like eating disorders, it can come from genetic, it can have psychological, it can be environmental, it can be social, it can be so many um ways that it can influence a person and it can be a multitude of them that can trigger it off and it can also be like a coping mechanism that we use because of the emotional things that we have and it can become something that is quite um addictive don't forget that food can actually release off dopamine which is quite addictive in itself and so it can be something that um we lose control over and a lot of people can actually say that during binge eating they almost um, disassociate like they aren't even aware of what they're doing and then uh, come around afterwards so the whole act in itself is an act of complete loss of control because because of the nature of the disorder so it is a um, a whole raft of different things that will impact a person 
very, very individually. And I think that's the thing about eating disorder. It's um, recovery is also quite individual. So the approach that a professional is going to take is going to be very, very individual to that person because it's not going to be this is one one size fits all is going to fix one person. I also think, and from myself, um, having had an eating disorder, I do think genetics play into it. And when I look at having cousins that have uh, had eating disorders and my own girls that have had eating disorders, I do think genetics play into it to some point. But I also think that there is something that can trigger that underlying event. So for me, bullying at school and um, not such a stable home life and for my daughter actually bullying at school so whether or not I think there would have to be some sort of um, quantitative like and qualitative like research that's done against that and that's it's way outside of of my area of expertise but from what I see there is a lot of trauma and things that do create uh, or or sort of trigger the disorder in, the, in within itself. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. So you really feel like you have no hope because this thing is bigger. It's like a monster that makes you eat, although you know that you shouldn't eat that yeah. much. So you think you can't stop. Yeah. And it's like almost like a drug state when you are eating and eating, like in this fog, maybe it will be even, I don't know if people that will binge, binge more on sugary foods, and that would make it even worse. I did read that some people even check their insulin levels to make sure they're doing what they want to do. Um, I didn't go down in detail about that, Fred, but it was interesting. So people think they don't have control, but here we are trying to give hope that there is a way out. Yeah. And what is the first step that a person will have to do if they realize they actually have a binge eating disorder? I would say the first thing that they need to do is reach out for support and that's any which way they need to go. I would say whether it's uh, letting a family member know, whether it's going to a GP, whether it's seeking help from um, a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, any sort of support group, there's a lot of them available, me, you, anybody, it's, it's that first step into going, okay, there is a problem here and actually it's speaking to somebody and I think a lot of people don't reach out because that level of shame, guilt, um, isolation that they feel stops them from doing that. So my first thing would be going definitely reach out because whichever route that you take and whether that is going, okay, I want to go the medical route, whether I want to go the holistic route, whether I want to combine both routes together, there is a way out for people. Um, I work with people that go both routes and I work with people that go only the one route, which is the holistic route. It doesn't matter which way. Everybody is there to support a person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess that if I were binge mm. eating, I were first to set up um, like an uncounted number of sessions until we get back to find out 
why am I doing that to find out the reason so we can work on these triggers is that a good way of doing that yeah absolutely so looking at the different type of triggers that you have you can have basically stress you can have hormonal you can have um, restriction you can have dieting you can have food advertising you can have isolation you can have influences from friends social events you can have um, anxiety depression you can have so many of the triggers that can set off why you are binge eating and I think one of the things that working with somebody will help you do is to identify the underlying um, causes for that and sometimes it's recognizing that actually binge eating is the coping mechanism for the underlying cause. A lot of the clients that I work with it's working on that underlying cause and sometimes it's also recognizing that there is a trauma that can also lie underneath there that also then creates that level of anxiety or has created that depression or has created the um, uh, level of social anxiety that somebody feels or has created that um, body dysmorphia or that um, that you know that need to restrict or the need to follow a diet so um or that need to look a specific way which has led somebody to then binge eat so it's looking at all the underlying factors that influence that individual so you can work in a way of how to resolve those so that you can clear the the unconscious uh, subconscious level to then create the conscious behavioral system so you can recreate those behaviors and clear it all out and then get that person back on track with new coping mechanisms or no coping mechanisms would be great because ideally we don't really want somebody having coping mechanisms to deal with you want to resolve the underlying issue yeah so ideally we want a person that no longer suffers from yeah. BED and can recognize the trigger. Yeah, and also just live a life where actually, you know, everybody's going to have stress, aren't they? There's always going to be a level of stress, but stress is at a level where it's not going to cripple you and impact you into needing to have some sort of crutch. So it's going to be more a form of positive stress or a stress that you can actually uh, work through very very quickly and it's trying to help a person recognize that there are ways that you can manage it so that it actually doesn't cause you to binge eat or to drink or to smoke or you know to starve yourself or to restrict and I think it's working with a person to help them to do that I think the thing with with them um, binge eating as well is people can get themselves into a way that after a binge they can tend to feel that they need to restrict. And then when they land up restricting, they can then land up binging. And so they can also get themselves into a cycle which can be quite unhealthy for them and detrimental for them. And so they can get themselves caught up in a wheel that goes round and round and round. But if they don't get help, I also have clients that the weight gain has been so significant that actually the physical impact on their body is detrimental to them that they are um, unable to walk they are uh, bound in wheelchairs so the impact on their joints uh, on their heart 
on their organs, on them is so significant because it then makes the weight even harder to shift because they physically aren't able to do so. So their depressive state um, and their mental well-being becomes more impacted because their physical state becomes diminished. So it then becomes even more of a vicious cycle. And because of that desperation and the loneliness and the isolation that takes effect then, because they're actually really are stuck at home, the binging can become even more um I guess it, it takes, it can really take a grip and it becomes more frequent and it becomes um, a lot larger in volumes of food and yeah, the person becomes really in a place of isolation and depression and sadness, overwhelming feeling of sadness. I can see how that can, can really take it to be completely lonely because you don't know what to do, you feel ashamed, you don't want to talk about it and you might get real upset if somebody mentions that, you know, so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're like, oh, I can never heal from this. I'm just going to die like this and they hate themselves. So maybe they might end up with bulimia or something because they're trying to purge. But even so, nothing is going to fix the damage to the liver and the joints and whatever that is. Quite a scary condition to have, actually. Yeah, and it's not bulimia. So it's very, very different in that the person with with, um, binge eating disorder will not purge. They will only binge. So they do not purge um, their food like bulimics uh, do. Um, But yeah, and it can also be where clients can actually then become so gastric band. uh, They can become, um, the NHS can treat them with gastric band surgery. The problem is that if you don't treat the underlying cause, a gastric band will work for a very limited time. And then you have clients coming in that actually the weight gain then returns because actually underlying cause hasn't been addressed. And that's, you know, gastric band is a very, very evasive surgery that has to be undertaken and there are criteria that have to be met. But then there's also a point where weight gain is so significant that people are too big to actually have that um, surgery because it's too risky for their health. So it then becomes actually where you, it's quite nice because you can combine the psychotherapy and the hypnotherapy and you can do the hypnotherapy gastric band surgery um, and help a client then clear the subconscious and help them also then you know work with them with the psychotherapy and hypnotherapy to, to shift the weight but also address the underlying causes and issues and blockages that they might have. So that's quite a robust approach to this. I'm not looking at a very quick fix for BED at all. This might take several months of work to address. I I do. I think think sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it can be like quite swift and you can all of a sudden go bang. But I think anybody promising like a result in one session, <laughs> I think that is unrealistic because I think sometimes the underlying cause has been there for quite some time. And I think typically a person doesn't reach out for like one month or two months or three months. You know, I think typically a person has been, um, had binge eating disorder for a long period of time and has been in a period of isolation for also a long period of time and therefore to work through the issues 
um, is going to take a period of time, but that doesn't mean that you aren't going to be able to resolve it. And I do say that after a month, somebody that is wanting that change, they will start to see significant change. But I think the key word is there, somebody that is wanting to change and to see that change. Because otherwise, it's almost like if you uh, are resistant to change, it's going to be like pushing, I don't know, a massive snowball or rock uphill. And for me, that's going to be really challenging to push a rock uphill. It's going to be much easier pushing a rock downhill and two of us doing it together. Um, so I think, yeah, somebody wanting to change, you're going to be able to facilitate that very, very quickly. Wow, that's a lot of stuff to remember for anyone <laughs> listening. But I can see that there is hope for this. It is 100% possible to get better. It does take time. So the first big step to take is really talk to somebody, talk to your GP, find a therapist, etc. The second step before we close will be another helpful thing that a person can do today, maybe before they even go to their GP. What can we do? I would say awareness. I would start um, trying to recognize your triggers. So there will be triggers in there. And I would say maybe try and raise your awareness. Like what is it that is resulting in you in starting that binge? If you can start recognizing that and have an awareness of that, you will then be on your way into going, oh, okay, here we are. And the minute you can have that awareness, you can potentially start recognizing okay here's a stressor here and this is how i'm coping with it does that make sense the other yeah. is acceptance the acceptance that okay i have binge eating disorder and do you know i'm one of 700,000 people in the uk that have it and this is nothing to be ashamed of and nothing to be guilty of feel guilty of this is a coping mechanism the same as smoking the same as drinking the same as every other disorder out there and you know what we all have something so it is nothing to feel guilty or ashamed of or embarrassed of and reaching out for support the sooner you do that the quicker you start your recovery process that's the second thing the other thing is your mindful practices and i think a lot of people poo-poo this but it is it is becoming aware of your breathing techniques it is becoming aware of those journaling it is becoming aware of other mindful techniques such as walking such as doing things like that that can actually be used as distraction to help you regain control of your mind and of your body to help almost gain control of yourself so that you can distract even if it's for three minutes even if it's for 60 seconds before you enter into that binge you have then elongated that period of control before you enter into that that's phenomenal that's a start <laughs> you've started something so it's that acceptance and awareness and the mindful practices yes. brilliant and reaching out for support fantastic very good i'm glad you mentioned smoking because every time i worked with people who were smokers we had to find out what the triggers are and so anticipate when the trigger happens like shows up in my life what am i gonna do instead so they had to make a list of things that they can do instead and they could be done straight away and going for a walk taking the dog out anything just to distract your mind and so eventually because you're not responding to the trigger this connection you know the neurons they wire together and fire together 
just goes mm. eventually because the brain thinks, oh, this is useless now. I don't need this connection. And so eventually, with the help of a good therapist and organizing yourself, maybe not putting the triggers around yeah. <laughs> in your life and looking at the stress and also don't put that kind of food in your house so that you cannot yeah, eat it. Absolutely. And I think it's also like belief, do you know? Belief that actually you can change because I've got and I have had clients that after 30 days have that change, are no longer binging, have got and have got the results that they want. Fundamentally, like ultimately, as a result of no longer binging, they get weight loss, but never looking at weight loss as the end goal looking at actually I need to change my behavior of no longer entering into binge eating and if you believe that actually recovery is possible you will get that because it is possible so always having and holding on to that hope you will absolutely get that and I think another thing is like somehow society has accepted that smoking <laughs> is one of these things is okay and we can overcome and it's like, well, if we can overcome that, and that is an addiction, and that is like a vice and a coping mechanism, we can overcome anything, absolutely anything, yeah. with the right support. And yeah. hypnosis is a brilliant way to do it. Psychotherapy is a brilliant way to do it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, believe, yeah, go for it. Why not? Yeah, self-medication has many yeah. forms. Yep. In there modern life that's what we do we try to smother that pain yeah. subconsciously we think oh i need a treat i need something to lift me up but after lifting you up you feel lower so i'm so glad that we had this episode because there are lots of things i didn't know about bed because i never had experience and i haven't worked with a person that had binge eating disorder um so that is so interesting to open up so i want to thank you so much about giving more of your time to share all about BGT. <laughs> You're welcome. You're very, very welcome. One, oh, I'm, yeah. I was going to say this. Um, maybe this is for another one, but it's also about hormonal <laughs> influxes and how actually that can also result in binge eating later on in life. So yeah, yeah, menopause, yeah. menopause, and the sugar cravings, and that can actually can actually the sugar <laughs> high. <laughs> And maybe there is time here for a further episode, you guys. <laughs> it's been wonderful, Franz. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And everyone, if you liked the episode, please share it with somebody. And you can subscribe, like, and write a review. So thank you for being with us. And have a lovely week. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have listened to Create with Franz Sydney.